0: Spoiler warning! Quick Summaries for Short Games is filled from top to bottom with spoilers. If you care at all about spoilers for the game being discussed, do yourself a favor and go beat it before coming back to listen.
1: Hello, hello! This is Quick Summaries for Short Games. I'm Trevor Robertson. I'm Campy. And this week we're discussing Bastion, made by Supergiant Games in 2011. Along with Joe and I, we have two new guests. One of them is a and d min-maxer and a good friend of mine,
0: Kyle. How you doing, man?
2: Hey, how's it going, Trevor? Nah, I'm looking super forward to this. This is going to be fun.
0: Well, good. Yeah. I would also like to say, I don't see anything wrong with Max, and you live your best life.
2: You know what? I'm more
1: (laughs) of an RPer myself. I'm not worried about the crunchy numbers, but I've played in a campaign or so with
2: Kyle and he loves them numbers.
0: Numbers go burr.
2: I also like to RP a little bit too, but yes, I do like numbers.
1: That's very true. You do it all. I think something that sticks out to me is when you write a character, you go balls to the wall seemingly with just how you create them and what you do.
2: I try to come up with lots of backstory and justification for all those things, so. Yeah, I love making characters. It's like one of my favorite things about d and I almost like making characters more than I like playing it.
1: I know a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am so on the opposite side of that spectrum.
0: Girl, same.
1: One thing I do respect about you is your combat cohesion and how you'll decide that this mechanic works with that one as well. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we have another guest. Can't believe it's taken this many episodes to get him on here because he is the cool dude that actually edits this podcast. It is Scott Tilly. How you doing, man?
3: I'm doing all right. You're far too generous. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes guy, but every once in a while, when a game like this rears its head, I have to step out and contribute in other ways, too.
1: Well, I'm glad you're here. I've already heard and seen a little bit of what you have to contribute regarding Bastion, and I wanted to kind of get to know you guys and let the other guys at home listening get to know you as well by jumping into one of my favorite topics of all time. I get weirdly obsessed with fan theories for different shows and games and all that stuff, and so I'll go down a million rabbit holes just listening to fan theories and game theories and cryptic weird little bits of code that got left in games Do any of you have any favorite conspiracy fan theories from any video games?
0: Yeah, one of mine, it's absolutely unconfirmed, but I feel it makes a whole boatload of sense. And that is that The Last of Us by Naughty Dog is actually like the inevitable future of the Uncharted universe.
1: Oh, I've heard that one. I love that theory. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's like a pub fight in the first chapter of Uncharted 3. And there's a newspaper that can be found on the bar and it's got the headline referencing a deadly fungus that scientists can't comprehend. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, And then Uncharted 4 actually kind of follows up with it because you can collect a dog tag from the organization, the Fireflies. So oh. it's like, that's cool as hell. Yeah. So a that's lot of people neat. are just like, it's just a nod. Don't read too far into it. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know. it seems like it holds a lot of fucking water there. I yeah. think that sounds super legit to me. Yeah, and they're both Naughty Dogs, so like, yeah. Exactly. It seems like it's one crossover
3: opportunity away from becoming canon. Yeah
1: right? Something else that those franchises have in common is I've played about the same amount of both of them which is I've gotten about three-fourths way through Uncharted 4 and The Last of Us 1 and I <sighs> kick myself in the ass every time those games get brought up in any media. I know that they're good games and I love them. The Last of Us was fucking terrifying. It gave me so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at Uncharted I think other games just came out and I was like, ah, I'll get back to it eventually.
0: Do yourself a favor and absolutely finish up both of those not to play favorites but i would definitely recommend finishing the last of us and the last of us 2 over uncharted but definitely do yourself the biggest of favor and just But uncharted isn't as scary <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> listen if you could put on your big brave boy pants you could do it i believe in you and that goes for uh... everyone listening at home i believe
2: in you all i remember playing a last of us was i'm like one of those players where i have like 50 freaking potions in my inventory after the last boss i just remember having 50 bombs and like 30 bottles and like 15 shibs and went past the final boss and completely had way too much stuff i do that all the time
0: in (laughs) game. the hoarder i did the same but not for lack of trying like i would use all my stuff but i'm just a little like scavy rat boy when i'm like ah it's (laughs) post-apocalyptic and yeah everything's usable bring it all home
1: yep (laughs) Check every nook and cranny. I'm taking it all
0: with me. Yeah, exactly. They're like, my friends are like, you could have beat this like three hours ago. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck, right? I got so much loot. <laughs> Look at all these so, shibs, man. If this was the real world, I would be king rat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Greed is good. <laughs> I have one.
2: It's not as serious as Joe's here, but I think it's just kind of funny. The theory is that Mario is trying to spread the positive aspects of communism. <laughs>
3: What? (laughs) I have heard of this one before. I
1: can't wait for this.
2: (laughs) Okay, so, one, every time he takes over a castle, a little red star appears, like, (laughs) uh, on a flag.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: on the castle. He has this little red hat. One of his arch-nemesis is Wario, and all his games are about, like, collecting money. So, Wario is capitalism.
1: Oh, my God, let's go, (laughs) comrade! (laughs) Down with capitalism.
2: I don't know how... (laughs) peach and bowser fit in this whole theory i thought it was always a pretty funny game theory oh my lord
3: haven't even hit double digit episodes and we're already raging war on the bourgeoisie i I am okay with that (laughs) dreams
0: do come true
3: this podcast is now a sovereign nation damn straight
2: <laughs> I have one extra thing I just wanted to bring up. I played Skyrim a lot, and you know how you collect those books or like those stories, it would give you like a, a little piece of the lore of the world. Yeah. I remember the first time playing Skyrim, I forgot what the, the series of books within the story were. I remember reading it. Essentially what these books were saying, we all exist on the eternally uh spinning disc, forever in the mind of the all-memory creature. It was like super self-aware that it was taking place on a hard drive on a disc. Oh,
1: that's really cool.
2: They just rewarded that into a theology, essentially. Oh, it's fantastic. I like that, yeah.
3: That's neat. Okay, so I definitely wanted to bring my A-game for this segment because I think conspiracy theories in video games, for some reason, have a hilarious explosion when they come together. I would agree. My favorite one is from Final Fantasy VIII. There is a theory at the end of the first disc, the protagonist suffers what should have been by all accounts, a fatal wound where a giant icicle impales him. Oh, that's badass. Yeah, but when the next disc starts, he just wakes up in the infirmary and nobody mentions it for the rest of the game. What looked like a glaring plot hole was picked up by the community and rationaled out as possibly the actual death of the character and the other three discs of the game or so. It was him coming in terms of his death. The ending, and I'm in a no-spoiler zone here for anybody who eventually wants to check it out. Yes, please. They do something with his face that's very jarring, and it seems very out of place for the ending without any context. So that theory is my favorite. But the weirdest one, and one I have to share here, is actually with Rocket League. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) What? Yes, Rocket League has a weird theory, and the even weirder part of it is that it turned out to be true.
1: I've never wanted to know what someone was about to say more than what you're about to say right now.
3: In the early arenas of Rocket League, the stands are populated by objects that weren't really quite clear. As more and more arenas were added and advertising was put into the game, they depicted in the stands and in advertising people as eggs
0: yes and
3: the community caught on to this and had a theory that the rocket league universe is populated by a bunch of sentient alien eggs basically
1: what and
3: it has been confirmed
0: what <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> the rocket league cars are being piloted by egg people
1: What the
3: fuck? Which raises many questions. You know, is this a post human world where the eggs have taken over? Is it like a planet of the apes sort of scenario? Or is this an entirely different world? The lore of Rocket League has never been more important.
0: Can I give you the inside scoop? Oh, please. I know two people who work for Rocket League.
3: Oh, God. What? Another reason why I had to bring this up.
1: Oh, that's right. You mentioned this before. Yes.
0: Oh, God. I asked them and I was like, yo, is the internet just memeing again or is this, you know, Mm -hmm. an actual thing going on? And they're like, yeah, no, like legit brightly colored eggs. And I asked, I was like, so, you know, what world does this occur in? It's just a parallel universe. It's just a universe (laughs) of brightly colored eggs that love extreme sports with cars.
1: Okay. Okay. I love everything about this theory, and that is confirmed, but I need to know, do the eggs drive the cars, first of all, with some kind of psychic ability, or do they have tiny limbs? Do they shift their weight back and forth in some kind of system that lets them propel themselves? That'd be very complex. The other thing I need to know, what kind of creature is in the egg, or is it just like a brain? You know, is it just a hollow egg?
2: Do eggs ha- right. hatch out of eggs in this universe? Are they live birthed?
1: Oh my god, are the eggs live birthed?
2: Like, do eggs give live birth to eggs? Or do eggs hatch out of other eggs?
1: Is there like a hierarchy of colors for the eggs? Where they're like, ah, oh, the green ones are superior.
0: I
3: hope sure, not. Joe, you're getting all this down to ask them verbatim, right? Right.
0: Write that down! Write that down! Write <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> Jesus, well that's gonna blow my vanilla-ass fan theory out of the fucking water. My <laughs> lord. So mine, a lot of people have already heard it before, but it's essentially that in Pokemon Red and Blue, when you are fighting Fartface or Assbutt or whatever you name Gary Oak in Pokemon Red and Blue, if you're fighting with the SSN, he has a Raticate. And the next time you fight him at Lavender Tower, you know, the ghost Pokemon cemetery, he does not have his Raticate anymore. And the thing he says to you is, I'm pretty sure this is almost a direct quote, but he says, do you know what it's like? To have a Pokemon die. So the theory is at the SSN, you fucking killed his Radicate, And because he's on the SSN, he could not get to a Poke Center fast enough. So you killed him. That's dark. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the next time you fight him, including Lavender Town, he does not have Radicate for the rest of the game. Every single other Pokemon that he has on his team, he still has at the very end.
0: Woof. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, super <laughs> wow. brutal. Super sad. Uh, heavy stuff. Ask me if I feel bad for him.
1: I mean, we name him fart face or fuck ass or whatever. So I don't. Joe, do you feel bad? Only a
2: little bit. I mean, it's eradicate. There's like thousands of them.
0: Hey, 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 that was eradicate. He had a personal and loving relationship with. And you know what? Like, I feel a little bit, but he was just a grade A standard Chad Cuck type dude. And whatever. Fuck you. (laughs) He was mourning the loss. Fuck your feelings. I'm going <laughs> to offer you support to your face and then tell my friends how I really feel later on. You know, it's like, yeah, doing the courteous thing oh gave <laughs> on Chadrick.
1: <laughs> yes. Chad a Kate. There it is. it is. Right in front of uh, us the whole it. time. <laughs> Today we are talking about Bastion. It is a game that was made by super giant games. The same team that made Hades, Bastion was their first game. They started with a team of two people, and they built up to a small team of, I believe, seven. So for a lot of people, Bastion is actually a game that they've only heard of because Hades just recently kind of skyrocketed to the forefront of, you know, game of the year for a lot of people, kind of seemingly out of nowhere. So a lot of people, they're noticing a lot of where Hades came from. And I'm wondering if, if any of you have actually played Hades.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually currently still playing it, yeah.
1: So, can you guys see traces of Bastion their very first game now that we're four games later? Can you still see kind of their roots a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely.
3: One of the most striking things about playing Bastion through this last playthrough for the podcast was seeing the prototype DNA that would evolve into Hades. You see a lot of that snappy dash in dash out action combat that they very early on in their careers they showed aptitude for and it's absolutely no surprise to see Hades blowing up like it is right now.
1: I would 100% agree. Is there anything specific Kyle that you would say you can see came straight from Bastion?
2: I definitely noticed there's not just one thing. I would say there's quite a few things. First of all, the importance to combat and gameplay being at the forefront of both games is pretty apparent, and it's kind of apparent that this is the type of thing that they're good at, right? Is like these kind of isometric, top-down sort of action titles. Didn't they also do Transistor, which is also in the same kind of a wheelhouse? They did.
3: That's correct. Transistor was their direct follow-up. Yes. Right.
2: So I definitely noticed that this is something that they have realized that that's their strong point, is like making these kind of gameplay-style action RPG-like games. And then also... The cadence is also something that I recognized right off the bat, where you're heading back to your hub world. You're getting story cues from these opportunities where you get to take a breather from the action. And that's where they deliver the story is through this kind of hub world. And it's this constant. That's a good point cadence yeah. of going out trying to see how far you can push yourself and then coming back to the hub world for a little bit of a story a little bit of a kind of a breather and that cadence i think is something that super has perfected over their games and hades their latest game kind of like nails it, in my mind
1: absolutely yeah and i mean you can just tell the atmospheres, while completely different you feel like you are in the world I mean, hell, even if you have the game muted, which I fucking pray that none of you did.
3: <laughs> very true.
1: <laughs> but it's very much you just feel yourself kind of a part of the world that they've created, even as far back as Bastion, where they were this very small group. It's like they had a goal in mind that, as happens with game development, shifts and shapes, but... Despite that, the finished product looks so insanely deliberate to me.
3: Their art style is one of the most striking things about Supergiant's portfolio of games. They had an initial artist working on Bastion that was relatively early on replaced by the artist Gen Z, and she would go on to take the style that they had brewing and turn it into this Colorful, cartoonish, sort of more playful, less serious vibe that kind of pervaded throughout Bastion. They kept with the same artist all the way through Transistor, Pyre, and Hades. And you really see that even through these different art styles, it's kind of incredible how much of the same original talent is still at the helm of these games and the creative directions. You can tell it's a super giant game when you look at the art, and a lot of the voices. The main voice actor in Hades for Zagreus is also the guy who's done the music in every single game. And you cannot talk about Bastion without mentioning it's music.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I was having a blast with it. Hell, Joe, you were streaming to a couple different people and at least one or two of them popped in just to be like, yeah, that music fucking kills.
0: Yeah, oh, the music absolutely fucking smacks on that game, man. I was losing my shit over it. It's funny because I have never played Hades or any of the other games from this developer, but hearing everyone like talk about it now, as well as a couple in passing while I was like streaming to my buddies in my discord, I have an insane curiosity to go check these out now because there's even a couple of people that was like oh i kind of see like where they got the idea for some of the decorating ideas in hades and i was like well shit yeah yep. i really like
3: absolutely it. I go see it you really notice the through lines between the games even though they are very different themes the first one having this absolutely western fantasy They went on to Transistor. I don't want to go into too much depth on the other games, but Transistor was more cyberpunk. Pyre was very high fantasy. And then you finally have Hades, which has the whole Greek mythology around it.
1: Which was an amazing choice, I think.
2: Absolutely. They
1: do very, very well to create their own stories. And I think the story itself is fairly simple when it comes to Bastion. I kind
2: of wanted to bring up a quick point before we moved on to the story that was brought up yeah, yeah, earlier yeah. about the art style and how they had a change of artist. Bastion, if you look at like, the character design, they have like this childlike more cartoony look to them, right? They're not necessarily grizzled, motor-realistic, gritty-like depictions of characters. They're these slightly softer kind of cartoony depictions of characters. It's
3: like a Pixar stylization.
2: Yeah, but I found that in direct almost difference to the kind of the seriousness that comes along with the story where there's this terrible calamity right it's kind of has a kind of a dark kind of tinge to it and I found that almost clashed with the art style just slightly maybe not a clash it wasn't necessarily a little it's
3: like a bit. juxtaposition. there you go that's the word that's a good way to
2: put
1: it see and what's funny is i love both the story and the visual aspects of bastion because the color for me for whatever reason the fact that it builds up from under you and just all of the color that every square just feels like every inch of it has gotten its own hand printed detail i love walking up hearing the floor come up and then the sound of picking up
2: little shards or a little currency
1: yeah the shards whatever they are yeah that sound is so weirdly satisfying. And I can't figure out what they could have been doing, what noise someone was making next to a microphone to make that noise happen. But I love it. Very satisfying sound.
3: The artists that put that together was Darren Korb and Ashley Barrett, a friend of Darren Korb. Just, he was a guy in New York that they found through a friend and they would go on to do the same sort of style of composure through the games as well. Ashley Barrett being the lead vocals on the build the wall track the major theme for the female protagonist
0: great track by the way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh yeah just on the topic of <laughs> the floor building under you as you go along i really love that idea of the game and like the concept of it except for the countless times i was like oh yeah i'm definitely on the right path just fucking roll along oh i fell off and i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah (laughs) It was great because I was like, oh, this is such a cool aspect. And then after like the 30th time, you're like, well, fuck, I guess I should go a little slower.
2: The kid trips. The kid's
1: a bit of a dipshit. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He a long ball. Yeah. Uh.
1: (laughs) This moron fell off the damn cliff again. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Speaking of which, can we uh, maybe talk about, or do you guys have any comments on the narration? Because I think that's a particular part of this game. That's what made it stand out.
1: Absolutely. It stands out by a mile because, first of all, one of the only storytelling bits you really get Are his narration. And that's just like 85 to 90% of the story that you get, other than loading screens. It was him just kind of telling a story or giving little bits of exposition
2: there's the three who knows where or whatever those dream sequence places are that you go through
1: and that's again him just reciting stories for 10 minutes or whatever but you do get at the end of the game once you collect some npcs in the bastion you go to talk to ruck because you've got a new item that you want him to talk about and he's like well here's a story about that and then you go (laughs) over and you talk to what was the girl's name zia zia nice. you go to talk to zia about the same item just think oh she'll tell me about that and instead it's just rux going well her opinion on that is this and i'm like dude yeah. let her talk man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she can do it herself and we know she could do it herself because at the end of the fucking game she has like four lines of yeah. dialogue
2: <laughs> yeah she's got a full monologue those lines came out of nowhere right
1: yeah because the whole game is narrated by this one person
0: yeah. Yeah, and it's a fucking shame that she doesn't like get her own voice lines and everything because she was great. I simp hard for Ashley Barrett's vocals.
3: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I cannot emphasize enough. You have to play Hades, the arrangements she performs in Hades as Eurydice, mind-blowing, dude.
1: We're we're getting to the nitty-gritty of the game and the combat here. What was your guys' go to loadout that they oh, arbitrarily made you switch out of every level?
0: Oh my god. I <laughs> such <laughs> a good point. <laughs> oh, infuriating that they oh made my you do god, that. I hate it. And it always puts the. <sighs> the
2: freaking thing on the wrong button it always put it on the wrong button yeah, for me. yeah it was always like
0: oh hey uh we've see you've been favoring this weapon this whole time we're gonna replace it with this new one."
2: Oh, did you just
1: upgrade this to level five yeah <laughs>
3: go fuck yourself Ugh. i love how we all cocked our shotguns over the same issue right there <laughs> i was telling trevor earlier that i'm very very happy with this game but, but- one major criticism i have of it is when you have to pick up a weapon to progress that's not the one you just spent all your essence on upgrading. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. at the tail end of the game, you pick up a weapon that changes your move speed. You have to pick it up to progress. Oh, and it fucking battering just ram just it. It removes it. your move speed. So you're literally tiptoeing with this battering ram. I get the impression it might have been intentional so that they had more time to get a
0: little bit more exposition in. Oh, that could have been it. But it felt like the gameplay
3: came to a screeching halt for me in that moment. Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) The only thing that got me through that is that I had gotten the thing where you get extra black tonics and so oh yeah I'd just be like, oh enemies fucking drop a meteor shower. Yep.
3: (laughs) The only thing that got me through that segment was biting down on a belt. (laughs) 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 Just screaming (laughs) Which is funny because it's followed by my favorite moment in the game, mm. which is also
1: slow as all hell.
0: Back to my favorite loadout.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to there and <laughs> yeah. then we'll move on.
0: I actually caught some flack from some friends because I was running the double gun. I was running the musket and the bone shooter. Dude, I
1: love the double gun. That's what I was using. Oh wait, musket and the bone shooter. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, Oh, is that the uh the like the fast thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fang repeater? Fang repeater. Fangre- yes,
0: oh, that's you, the fang repeater. That's what I was running until I found the spear and the double pistols, and then that was fucking game over. That was it. Ooh, you needed nice. nothing else but the spear. Like I, I thought it was funny. They're like, "Look, a sniper rifle." And I'm like, "Yeah, I've got this fucking spear already, and it does exactly the same <laughs> amount of damage in a faster amount of time." So I'm gonna keep this bitch.
2: I have a quick question before we move on from this. Are yeah. tonics part of the build process? Is it only just talking oh, yeah. about your weapons? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, they can be. Yeah. Okay. Very few rules here. Describe your whole kit. <laughs> <laughs> okay everyone load up bastion
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah my tonics it always varied but like i was a big fan of the like dead shot with the pistol just the fucking one shot kill
2: okay yeah because
0: i'd just be like you're too big what bam <laughs> nice.
1: For some reason, in a lot of games, I can't get myself to take any kind of perk with a negative, because I'm like, "Well, what if I need it? Like, I'm I'm just a huge (laughs) baby about it. (laughs) So I just had extra tonics, extra health tonics, extra damage, take less damage. If it had red on it, I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) I'm a coward.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: What were your two weapons, Trevor?
1: I had the fully upgraded sniper and the musket. It one shots, and you can clip them where you can barely see them off screen, so you can just kind of shoot them all. That musket... (laughs) muskets great yeah musket is for the birds Mm -hmm. yeah for the birds the green orb sphere things anything close to you and then you just line up your sniper again
0: the anything that's too close (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, basically, I just mained the pet. The little squirt, I just kept his ass around. because You can have two, and they deviate. You can have more than two. Can you really? hmm Ooh. Yeah, I just had the two up, and the enemies would always go for them. One thing that was annoying, though, the Venus flytrap things that shoot stuff at you, that once you hit mm-hmm. them, they clamp, and then they have perma armor. Mm-hmm. The squirts yep. are really bad for that, because they keep hitting and darting at it, and so it's just closed, oh. like, 98% oh, of the time. So you have to, like, let loose one sniper arrow, perfect timing. Otherwise, you're stuck there for the next 30 seconds just trying to time it out. How mm-hmm. about you guys?
0: ashamed to admit I didn't know you could bring pets. I played that whole game without bringing a pet with me. <laughs> it's one of
2: the special attacks. Oh, okay. It's all a right. little squirt that you can summon. Yeah, squirt oh, lore. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Oh, alright. I don't think I ever got that one. Alright, good, good. You start out
2: with it. My loadout was the full on. Oh, give me your synergy. Oh, super synergy. You run the flamethrower as your melee weapon.
1: Okay.
3: You nice. attach mm-hmm.
2: the burning quality to it. You get the Bow and arrow. You attach the lingering damage to it. What
3: the fuck? Okay. And you just go all dot.
2: And then you take the leech. Oh, the one that heals you. And you run like hell. Yeah, you hit the thing, and then you walk away, and you heal yourself. Basically, That's
1: sick as hell.
2: Just go up to it. You flame it, and you'll heal for like ten HP.
3: Wow, I'm stealing that. <laughs> I know. I
2: I'm about to start new game plus with that same build. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Super Synergy is you take the shield counter healing tonic, Yes. And you take the special that does the swirling shield counter that always counters. Mm-hmm. If you're low on health, you hit your special, and any hits that you take heal you.
0: Oh. Damn. Well wow. And then you synergize oh. that
2: with your flamethrower and your long distance Rise of the
3: shield hero over here. Yeah, for real. Yeah,
1: dear
2: lord. So it's a full-on self-healing build.
1: Dude, I wow. love vampiric builds, too. And like every game, if I can get vampiric in any concept, I'm like, this is... What I was born to be doing. So,
3: yeah, Mabas have taught me that Life Leech can just break games.
1: Mm-hmm. Mabas. I have never heard it pronounced <laughs> like that in my life.
3: It's way back from actual Warcraft 3 use map settings, Ice Frog. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, MOBA is what the kids say these days, I guess. Mabba.
1: I love it. It sounds yeah. more friendly. You think MOBA yeah. and you think League of Legends Nerd Rage.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, here's the real question Do you call it mana? Or do you call it mana? Mana or
1: mana? He says mana for sure. Secret of mana. Oh, all right. Ah,
0: interesting.
3: Yeah. I'm too jersey to say mana. I will say mana if I'm feeling highfalutin' and I want to put <laughs> on airs. i Secret of mana. Oh, Whenever I, I play Magic the Gathering, I say mana, but yeah, it's mana when okay. I let all my jersey out. Thank you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You're from Jersey. I have a very important question. Sure. Uh-huh. How do you pronounce Mario?
3: Let's see. Super
1: Mario.
2: Mario. Okay, cool. So awesome. Mario. All yeah. right. I've heard people from Jersey. Mario? Yeah. They're Mario brothers.
1: Yeah, I love a place of Mario.
3: Hey,
2: Mario, we're going to
3: the bar. It's that Long Island. It's a Mario over there. He's there it that is. Guy. he works at the pizza place. Mario, Just gotta go down and get a get some coffee.
2: That's it. Your lord. That's the one right yeah. there. Oh my yep. Okay. <laughs> really important. I need Very to get real. that
1: out there. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. So I want to ask, how do you guys feel about the combat itself? Did you feel like it was smooth and satisfying? Were there any clunky bits about it? I cannot
3: emphasize how much I enjoyed the combat. And I liked how it felt a bit slower than Hades. Like it was more of a less competitive time trial sort of high energy thing. By comparison, it felt like going back to a speed that I was more comfortable with. I'm a weirdo. I use the mortar and the hammer. That was my setup. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> The two slowest fucking things. I love it.
3: I bumped up the speed on the mortar and I got to a point where you can one shot pretty much any mob.
2: Ooh, all right. Fuck it. Yeah. Did you attach the special that summoned the turrets with the mortar?
3: What? I did not. I waltzed through the game and beat new game plus with just
0: mortar hammer. That's, so <laughs> That's <fucking> amazing. amazing.
1: <laughs> um, that is <laughs> fantastic when it made you grab the mortar i was like all right whatever and then you shoot it and those piece of shit spike Mm. shooter plants
2: the little one-eyed like cyclops
1: spiky guys the ones that shoot rapid fire things Mm -hmm. you can hide behind pillars and use the mortar and shoot it over oh yeah and immediately i was like oh this one shot shit and so for that whole level i was like i was pumped it's like hey so this is the last level and i was like i should probably grab my sniper but that's only because i had it fully upgraded
3: i picked up the mortar Rolled my eyes for about 15 seconds and then saw it actually hit an enemy and immediately fell in love. (laughs) I love that it was a bit slower paced than Hades, and the fact that this is from 2011
1: right, that's their first game
3: just goes to show you that size of game, age of game makes no difference. A well made game is a well made game, and you feel it. You're here, here,
2: absolutely. Yeah. That just kind of nods to the pedigree of Supergiant with these types of games right. and that gameplay kind of style they really have nailed, right? It's incredibly absolutely.
3: surprising that they did nail it, they hit the ground running. The main two 2000- Founders, Amir Rao and Gavin Simon, they were working for EA at the time that they quit to form Supergiant. In LA on the Command and Conquer franchise, they were doing the first person shooter spinoffs. For them to pivot and just immediately have this vision, like they didn't even have a working name for Bastion as a project. It was always Bastion. So you see yep. that tremendous vision. They were able to be so versatile and just nail it their first try.
2: Uh, Before I give my kind of two cents on how I felt about the combat and stuff like that, I had a quick question for everybody. Oh, you guys all play it on PC? Yes. 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 Okay. I think I might have a slightly different take on it because I played it on Switch.
1: Oh, okay. Were you playing mostly
2: handheld? No, I played mostly on my TV. (laughs) Did everyone play with a controller, or did you guys use a
0: mouse? I played with a controller. Controller. Controller,
3: I played with a controller for 99% of the game, except when I had to do the rocket launcher trial, and I went keyboard-mouse for that one. The
2: fuck?
1: Yeah. Made a huge difference. I need to know why, but I'll come back to that.
2: (laughs) So I felt like uh, when I first booted the game up, it felt kind of clunky to me. Especially Mm -hmm. this has to be understood from a person that's been really into Hades lately, right? So Mm, yeah, there's kind of an unfortunate timing with this game for me that it's like, Bastion was an incredible game. Even today, it's an incredible game. But playing it with such close proximity to Hades, I felt like it might have colored my experience on the gameplay. Does
3: Switch run Bastion at 60
2: frames? It's not necessarily the frame rate. What started off was the control scheme, first of all. Okay.
1: You can normally switch control schemes. I mean, you can in Hades on PC. I wonder if you could have on Switch.
2: So that's the thing. There's no options within the game itself to customize your controls. I had to go outside into the Switch's
3: Hardware level controller yeah, the, remapping.
2: Exactly. I had to go into the OS of the Switch to button map my controls to make Bastion playable. Essentially, I wow. found my issue was the attacks were assigned to the face buttons.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, yes. What that does is it takes your right thumb away from the right stick. Exactly. which allows yes. you to aim your block and allows you yep. to aim all your melee and your projectiles while you move right where if you mm-hmm. are having to take your thumb off the thumbstick to hit the attack button you're no longer getting the precision that comes along with having that precise aim over your character and yep. the one other thing that I noticed that was really revealing to me was the game kind of teaches you how to play it using like the left trigger to target things right to like lock onto things yeah when you use that it's you down it like slows down your actual movement but if you use the right stick to aim your block or aim your target it does not slow you down. And Mm -hmm. once I realized that and switched my control scheme to pull my attack buttons off the face buttons and put them onto the triggers, the game all of a sudden just opened up to me and it became like, oh, now it makes complete sense to me. But for the first couple hours, it was kind of tough for me. This feels clunky. It doesn't feel like it's smooth. It feels like I'm missing some kind of nuance here. And I was. I was missing the nuance of using the right stick to aim. Mm
3: -hmm. It's an excellent point. It also speaks to where these games were in 2011 and how far they've come in the last 9-10 years?
2: I guess so.
1: I would say it is specifically because it's compared to Mm. Hades.
2: And Hades allows you to, within the game, options to customize, where Bastion didn't have that option, at least not for the Switch version. Hades definitely
3: feels like a more modern title in terms of offering you the quality of life updates that's come in the last decade of action games. One of the reasons why I didn't pick up on this, it just occurred to me while you were saying that, I use the Xbox Elite two and it has those back paddles and I was abusing the hell out of that because oh. I could hit my X button on mm-hmm. the back. That was really handy, and it worked for 99% of the things.
0: Yeah. I had no problem at all with the controls. I really dug it. I thought it was pretty self-explanatory and easy to pick
1: up. So you left the controls as face buttons?
0: Yeah, I left everything as is.
1: And Interesting. Okay. I swapped my controls immediately. Neither of you are isolated in your feelings here. I feel like there are a lot of people feeling both.
0: Mm, I do it both ways. I just kind of do whatever I feel... More for the occasion but i also have a very weird way of like hitting face buttons and still using my right c stick do you do
2: like a crab kind of thing
0: i do a little crab thing yeah the little claw is
2: this the (laughs) monster hunter on ds crab
0: (laughs) yes exactly that (laughs) the claw oh my god this game brought to you by carpal tunnel oh exactly oh my god Were
3: you born with horrible human hands?
0: (laughs) Well, for the low, low price of playing several games the exact wrong way, you can have it for free.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy your early onset
0: arthritis. I will. You can't stop me. No one can stop us. (laughs)
1: originally I was going to ask you if you guys had like a favorite enemy, but I feel like that's dumb. And instead I'm going to ask for the enemy that you just kind of fucking hated
2: the baby ground alligators, the baby ground alligators, the ones with the
0: horns that, Oh, the ankle gators,
2: the ankle gators, but the baby ones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh word. Yeah. Those baby ones sucked. Yeah. That's very legit. <laughs> the birds. I fucking hated those birds. I hated every single bird variant that it had. And the fucking, <laughs> just fuck those
1: birds yeah you take your shot and by the time your bullet is leaving your gun they're already inside your body
0: yeah or then there's that fucking like crazy fast shooting po one it's like well nothing's working against this guy so i guess i'll just take the l fucking get domed on unless i can block him in time and just like keep laying (laughs) bullets into his ass till he's dead Yep,
1: and just
3: slam potions yeah I'll tell you what, the only enemies I hated were the ones that broke into the bastion on my first playthrough and killed my bird. They killed my bird, Trevor. what? They killed my little pecker. Oh, Oh. my God.
1: Oh, God. That bit, where over and over,
2: oh, he's got to kill
1: the peckers. Yeah.
2: (gasps) Now that we're talking about I just want to bring this up. I loved all the names that the narrator gave the enemies. Yes. These windbags, the ankle biters, scumbag. Yeah, I loved all those slang terminologies for all the yeah. enemies. Where it's just, I loved it. It was one of those little charming aspects of it.
3: Yeah, it definitely fed into the overall atmosphere of the game. It's this rustic pioneer Town steampunk kinda.
2: Absolutely. Great
1: point. I think with the verbiage, the narrator, and the theme, it was self aware in how over the top it went, which I think added to the charm Mm. of the game. And so when they said shit like, oh that's a big pecker, which I don't know if that's even a real quote, but I don't think any (laughs) of you wouldn't believe me if I said it was.
0: Yeah, you're not too far off if it's not the actual thing. Yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) There were a couple moments where I was like, I see what you did there, Bastion. I see you
1: exactly yeah i love how the narrator got i love how silly and over the top it was like i wanted him (laughs) to just start being like how many times you gonna die man (laughs)
3: sometimes i worried about that kid (laughs) just seems like you've fallen off a little too much
0: well yeah Yeah. i mean fuck (laughs) even hell give the kid a break though like the literal only way to travel around that place is to get yeeted into the sky and then slam down on your face (laughs) dude on your fucking face sorry i've got fucking several different concussions i've got concussions that have concussions bro i'ma fucking roll off the edge every now and then
3: (laughs) that is a beautiful animated touch that he begins every level by face planning Uh, into it usually (laughs) onto enemies
0: yeah and i'm so here for it i started making a joke myself like every time a level would load i'd be like (laughs)
3: uh...
1: (laughs) that's a good bit Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. And then you wonder why you're trying to find your way around. And then the guy up top's just like, if the kid wasn't so dim, he'd have found his way out of here by now. You're like, shut up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Stop it!" laughs> How dare you come for me like this?
3: The narrator. Is the reason I played this game when I saw the trailer for the first time heard Logan Cunningham who does the voice of the narrator speak for the first time like in the no clip documentary he cites inspirations for the voice being Ian McShane's Al Swearingen from Deadwood massive fan of that show that actor that character Sam Elliott from Big Lebowski Daniel Day-Lewis in Gangs of New York. Such a movie. You hear this man speak in the no clip documentary, which if you haven't checked out, it's on YouTube. Highly recommend it. He does an amazing job. His normal voice, you wouldn't think it was the guy. And the narrator was a complete afterthought. There was one thing that wasn't in place in the initial concept of the game. They found a point in development where the storytelling was slowing down the action. They're like, we'll play with this idea of having a narrator. That's incredible to me. As soon as they got the first line from logan cunningham it immediately informed so many decisions about the theme of so many different aspects of the game after that point and like that's incredible like that's real that's the magic of development
2: that's just incredible to me in my mind how important how much differentiated this game from almost any other game i've played in my life where it's like the Mm -hmm. entire thing is narrated yeah, even like as small of a thing as like going up to something and smashing a bit of debris with your hammer, that was narrated, you know. And yeah, the yep. fact that so much of the gameplay was narrated and that was such a unique aspect to it that knowing that that's an afterthought in a sense is kind of incredible.
1: Yeah, I really thought that every little touch that they added with the narrator was just very good, even if it was. Occasionally repetitive. I didn't ever get sick of it. I thought it was just really, really well done.
2: (gasps) Uh, That narrator and whoever was the sound designing the narrator's lines and stuff knew how to fit the narrator in a pocket where it wasn't going to be overbearing. I feel something like that could easily become annoying possibly to a player or a little too intrusive
0: i personally believe at the very beginning it was just on the borderline of being way too intrusive and then they dialed it back a little bit as they mm. went yeah. on
1: or you just got used to it because i don't remember it letting down at all i could see that First,
0: i was like if this motherfucker just gonna talk in my hair the whole goddamn time and, <laughs> like, and he
1: did yeah and he kind of <laughs> does yeah
0: <laughs> They made it work, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, they did. It felt like the frequency of what he was saying lessened a little bit, maybe. It set in. I was like, oh, this is my life now. I'm going to just <laughs> get on board for a little bit, Barbara. We're going on a bumpy ride.
3: Bastion <laughs> strikes me as a game that's a triumph- in the brevity of exposition, it told you just what you needed to know. It was a little heavy in the beginning because of the world building. Yeah, setting course. it up. But once Old you start getting in there and collecting cores, they hit this rhythm where we're going to tell you the story beats and then the music's going to ramp up and there'll be a quip. And then you get back to the base and you loop it. And it's just repeat. doesn't waste any time in any one department for too long. No, not at all. Except for the battering ram. But other than that,
1: (laughs) fucking battering ram. No one needs to ask Tilly what his least favorite
0: part of the game is. Yo, fucking ditto, because if you ask me, same. I definitely might have
2: overhit the pipe myself like in real life (laughs) Kyle does
0: you know what I did yeah I did that a
1: time or two too much and I was like alright good on this once you
2: got into the groove of like oh I can switch up how each weapon starts to operate and when you started to get three or four tonics that you can kind of play around with that was a great experimental ground to use that I could solve myself overusing it and yeah I... a large part <laughs> of my gameplay was just oh, in the pipe and going into the who knows where
1: oh nice wow. so I'm very curious how you guys felt about the challenges because I love them they're like little apples action puzzles that give you upgrades having to solve it the way that it's intended to get the first place prize was really interesting to me because you know for the musket one you have to group them together and then get your strong shots for the bow and arrow you have to hit your strong shot while you're going through and shooting the right angles and stuff how did you guys
0: feel about the challenges well yeah you know exactly where the fuck my answer is going (laughs) (laughs) all right just go ahead and get this out there it also ties into one of the other questions you put in on the prompt here which was were there any parts you got stuck on for a while yeah there's a couple spots i got fucking stuck on when i first picked this game up i was like fuck man i had to do all these challenges to like upgrade these weapons otherwise i can't use them i thought you had to like get all that shit done Before you actually started playing the game. Oh, no. Uh, I thought I told you you
1: didn't, but I should have specified.
0: mm. So here's the thing. I picked up Bastion like 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, Uh, sick. And then I got on that part where I was like, uh, I'm fucking tired of doing time trials. And so I put it down. And then I never picked it back up again until Trevor was oh, like, my- hey, I'm doing a podcast on this game if you want to <laughs> fucking do it. And I was like, that's a good reason to pick up a game again. And then I made my yep. gripe to Trevor and he was like, you dumb son of a bitch. You don't have to do that. Just go wherever it tells you there's a fucking court again. <laughs> I can hear him saying that verbatim in my head right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then it instantly turned around. I was like, oh, this game slaps. <laughs> 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 wow, so true. I'm going
2: to probably hit the middle ground between Trevor and Joe here, where <laughs> I felt similar to how Joe felt about the challenges in the beginning of it, where I was like, ah, oh, these feel kind of tedious and before i had upgraded the weapon in question that i was challenging myself on i felt like i needed to beat that just because the type of completionist gamer that i am sometimes i feel like i have to 100 percent the previous chapter before i move on i tend to play games that way so Mm -hmm. that became a little bit of a hiccup and a hurdle for me to pass but at the same time once i got those upgrades rolling and started to figure out oh this challenge is going to require a slightly different build than what i have going right now i started to get a little bit more joy in the trial and error of it so Mm -hmm. in the beginning i was super annoyed by them by the end of the game i actually liked them a lot
1: okay awesome
3: yeah I'm very much in the line of Kyle here. Like, I only entertained them early on for the weapons I liked. The shotgun, the musket, the hammer, and the mortar. I was interested in upgrading them. And when I realized that you could get upgrade materials, not only just from their own trials, but, like, as the secondary reward or the level two prize in the other trials, I started investigating them, too. After a while, when I realized that once you get three upgrades on a weapon, you can usually get first place in most of the trials. Yeah. I started to enjoy the puzzle element of, okay, let me go back to the Bastion and try a bigger radius, uh, a faster speed, and, and really try and get to that first place. I did get wrapped up in it, but to balance out the other end, the rocket launcher trial. We need to talk about the rocket launcher
0: trial. I straight up just avoided that. I was like, fuck it, I'm not even going to do this one. This is near the end of the game. I'm not going to use this fucking thing again.
2: I hated the Calamity Launcher. Yeah. The least secret weapon in the whole game.
3: Yeah. yeah. I hated it just because of its trial, and I don't know why I got so hooked on it. I probably (laughs) wasted two hours on it. Oh my lord. Like, you need to keep a bead on these incoming windbags, and those are the ghost-looking guys with the pickaxes. To hit them on the front of their sprite, it's pretty wide, but once they start to get like horizontal to you, you can thread a rocket in between four of them and hit nothing.
2: Nothing. Oh my god, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay, and you all have right. to keep all those
3: monuments alive, and if they start hitting it, the blast radius, even on the unupgraded blast radius of the rocket, is enough to destroy the monument when you're trying to get the enemies off of
2: it. It was a really terrible version of Missile Command.
3: Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm playing Missile Command... <laughs> And a poorly designed version of it from 2011. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small blemish, but it was enough to make me put on my sweatpants and <laughs> abandon the controller for a spell.
1: till I got sweaty here for this game.
3: Which All caused right. my game client to <laughs> crash for about 45 minutes.
2: No way. Oh my gosh. What the fuck?
3: Yeah, I got into a crash loop. Some sort of conflict between the controller and the keyboard and mouse, unfortunately. Oh but eventually I got the keyboard and mouse working beat it and switch back to controller.
1: Jesus hell. But
0: okay. <laughs> you had your own fucking little vendetta there apparently, dude. <laughs> yeah. Once they killed my bird,
3: I was going to beat everything in this game. <laughs> i went full liam neeson i went full john wick on these gas bags where's my wife all these enemies like i burned the world down jesus remade it and burned it down again (laughs) on my second playthrough i protected the bird though so everything's okay there you go that's
2: what you had a chance to protect the bird in second playthrough
3: yeah when they invade the bastion if you have pets like you collect the items that spawns the pet in the bastion that hangs out yeah there's like four of them or something there's like the the mechanical bull the squirt the bird
2: what i never got the mechanical bull
3: yeah it's from that level they introduce it. Okay,
2: so now can we talk about what pets everyone got? Because I only got the ankle biter baby, the squirt, and the bird. I never got the bull.
1: I only got the first two. I
0: got all four. I don't think I got the bull either.
1: Look Joe's, like, the Meet the Millers kid. You guys got pets? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs>
0: how I felt. I was like, you could bring him along, when?
1: Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to bring the pets, like, on missions. All I got to bring was yeah. the squirt, but he still ruled. So, first of all, you guys have all beaten... The game. So, spoilers. At one point, Zulf gets basically attacked by his own people because... For reasons? Why was it he was attacked by his own people? They
3: were pissed that he led you back
1: to them. Okay, so... They beat the shit out of him, and you have the choice to either pick him up and carry him over your shoulder and then escape, or just to save your own ass and get out of there. Which option did you guys choose?
0: I said, fuck that motherfucker, leave you right here. I knew you you were going to do that. <laughs> it's funny. Video games actually helped me realize that I needed to reassess the way I make decisions in my real life. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> because I like go with my knee jerk reaction in a video game, and then like twenty minutes later, I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't like regret what I did, but I could have done it differently. And like, I just made that decision because I was pissed. So in real life, when I'm like, ah, I'm angry, I'll be back in thirty minutes to fucking deal with this emotionally.
1: <laughs> you know what because that's what i did that's not bad that's a good way to
0: do it i was like fuck you dude i already saved you once and look where you fucking brought us <laughs> i ain't doing it a second time so where did that
1: bring you because i don't think i've done that yet
0: it made it a hell of a lot easier to get through i imagine because
2: <laughs> definitely
0: <laughs> all of the projectiles just bounced off the fucking battering ram like i was walking it's like plink plink plink, oh. plink 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 and the only people who could hurt me were the guys with the melee. And whenever they got in the melee range, I just did the stomp thing and it fucking killed them. So I was just like, like getting through the level just fine, no problem. And that was another reason I dropped him too. I was like, I'm not going to carry him. I'm just going to be a bullet sponge right now. And I'm not trying to do this.
1: That's exactly what you are.
0: I didn't hesitate. I totally picked
3: him up, man. I totally picked him up. I'd like to say it's because I wanted to be the bigger person, but I really just wanted to drop that fucking battering ram for any oh reason. <laughs> oh I needed it my. to stop. And imagine how loudly I screamed profanity when I picked him up and moved just as goddang slow. Same
2: speed. And now you can't attack either. I was
1: furious. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I'm in between all of you where I, like, thought about it. But I thought about it for different reasons. There was no morality involved. I was like, okay, am I going to have at least one person who leaves this piece of shit behind? (laughs) And I was like, I know there's one person I might be able to count on for this. Well, and you didn't uh, let me
2: down i'm so
0: glad i could be here <laughs>
2: oh my god trevor that's probably literally the thought that went through my mind at that point too like really i'm 90 sure i'm gonna pick this guy up but i'm wondering if everyone's gonna pick him up and if i should just be the one guy out of the three of us
0: <laughs> dude right oh that's funny uh, i am so happy to be your dissenting opinion here Fuck that, dude.
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm really happy I picked him up because that next scene, it's very subtle and they don't mention what happens. But if you're really observant, it's really important to the story what happens.
1: Yeah, so that scene is super, super powerful once you pick him up and put him over your shoulders because you can't use a weapon. You can't see your mm. health and you have to move as slow as you are moving with the battering ram and you are attacked by turrets and melee people. And you have to walk all the way up this long curve and path. You don't know how many potions you have left. But every time you use a potion, it says you have one left or two left. When I did it, I had two to start. You're dropping health, and then it shows you the heal indicator that you only get when you're in red health. So we're walking and you're like, fuck, what if I die during this cutscene? Oh my god. So you have to literally heal yourself, and that's the only thing you can do while you're trying to cut corners so you're not getting hit until you're dead. While the best song in the fucking game plays. Yep.
2: That's one of the scenes that was, like, most important to my point of the juxtaposition between this art style of, like, these kind of cartoony-like characters, but this incredibly dramatic scene that you were forced to move through.
1: Exactly, yeah. There's
3: a lot going on there because when you first walk out, there's a little bit of cover between you and the first Battalion, yeah, you have the ranged enemies, mm -hmm. but then you pass through the cover and they start lighting you up, and you realize you see the path with all the friggin' enemies going all the way around, and you realize that you're low on potions, and you're like, "Well, there's no way I'm gonna make this." Yeah, did I play this wrong? Did I mess this up? But it is what it is. I'm carrying this guy through. I was really committed, but as you round that corner, there's something funny that happens. They stop firing. Yeah, and one guy will fire on you after that, but. If you notice, his captain executes him for defying the order, and they all stand there silent as you carry him with that music playing.
1: I just got the
2: chills. Oh,
3: God, that's powerful. I was not expecting that. It made the game for me. I was very surprised by that.
2: It was a very powerful moment. I stand by my decision.
1: (laughs) And I'm happy that you did because I needed to know what happened. Thank you for taking one for the team.
0: Yeah, I'm always happy to be the descending opinion. And you know, it's funny, like this is why I couldn't write horror movies is because I'm just like most logical option. We're going to take that. Why are you running away from this dude? There's a perfectly good kitchen knife right there. Take your swing at it. Like you're going to die anyway. So (laughs) fucking try and take him out with you.
1: There's something right before that scene that I really loved. As you traverse to either the second half of the last level, the music is swelling and the movement itself is a little bit more freeform, but the visuals are still a little bit euphoric and chaotic, and it's like the game's getting a little bit easier, because it doesn't want you to have to interrupt the moment it knows that you know you're getting to the climax. And the visuals on screen are colorful and they're exploding and you're fighting a bunch of stuff, but for some reason it's not very difficult. But man, every other enemy is dropping a health potion, like they want you to get through this, and they want you to feel powerful, And they want you to be able to listen to the story without trying too hard. You're like, yes, I am doing this. I've been trying so fucking hard in this game. Because you
3: see them overcoming.
1: Exactly. It's that feeling of I've overcome so much to get here. I think that this game does a very good job of illustrating that during the climax and end of the game before you pick up that sad little lump and then carry him to the end or don't carry him depending on who you are. Damn right. Depending <laughs> on how good you are of a person. Depending on your moral fiber, I mean...
2: <laughs> there was a purposeful kind of pushing onto the brake or letting off the gas in a sense because they wanted you to pay attention to a certain thing that they were building up to, right? Exactly. The developers in this sense. And there was a very conscious effort to make sure your attention was being more and more focused to this event, right? Or this upcoming exactly. scene. Exactly.
1: Yeah. One last bit. It is the funniest fucking part of this game to me. It is after you get the Calamity Cannon, you're fighting the ninja with spears and guns and stuff and you're supposed to take down those pillars that mm. clear different areas yeah at one point i'm charging up the calamity cannon and I, right before i release one of the Yura appears between me <laughs> and the pillar and says stop right as i release and she just fucking melted and disappeared <laughs> and it was just so instant it was the funniest and saddest part uh. I loved it so much. I'm just going to go for a walk outside. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it was just such a perfect moment. And I think it's because I heard the word stop. <laughs> and that was like cut off by my fucking rocket launcher. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> this game is not that kind of game. And it was for a second. And I appreciate it a lot.
0: That's just your luck, though. I think it's probably yeah. that that only happened to you.
2: <laughs> right? I do not remember a scenes like this at all.
3: But that does reinforce the juxtaposition in atmosphere and theme that Kyle was talking about, because you have those moments where it's light and there's some brevity. But like, I did not expect this game to end in the middle of a war, like a war that's taking place after the apocalypse. It gets really dark. And it's also surprising how you notice the narrator was leaving out certain important pieces of information that would inform the kids decision. As it leads up to the conclusion.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which the conclusion is you can either evacuate or you can start the loop over, right? hmm Yeah. And I don't know what the difference is between them, if I'm being completely honest, as far as replayability is concerned.
3: I could speak a little to that, because I started my new game plus, and played it just so I could pick the second option the evacuation option the second time
1: okay so briefly what are the differences between them
3: there were very few differences but there were a few times early on and towards the end where the narrator had slightly alternate dialogue where he comments that he could have sworn he said this before it's like this is the first time I'm telling that story but I feel like I've told it a million times like I like that it's a slight twist and the biggest hint Because after you reset the world that there's some bleed effect between the world resetting is that the strangers dialogue from the ending of the first game will echo as you're waking up in the new game. Plus, if you pick the first option, I believe. Mm -hmm. I haven't tried picking the evacuation first time, but it did seem to change some minor things. The end credits, you're treated to art from the future if they evacuated, of course. There is some differences there. You get to see instead of the cycle renewing again, they actually seem a lot more happy being together in the non reset world. It seemed to be the happier the two endings. Yeah.
2: This brings up a soft theory that I kinda had when we were talking about how the stranger the narrator is always speaking even for other characters like the girl we heard her talk at the very end but he almost always speaks for everybody's answer to when you go up to them and ask them about a certain object or something and then that makes me feel like that was a purposeful thing that they did to give you the aspect that this is all being told after the fact essentially
1: Oh. That just clicked for me. So it's
2: really only at the very end when you... Like, like
1: you're in the present now, when she's talking.
2: Exactly. You're in the present when you actually hear her talk, but anything other than that, it's almost always after the fact. The narrator is describing something that had already happened, Or once you get to the girl, that is the present. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, actually, that makes a lot of sense, because I noticed in the last levels, he actually addresses her while he's talking, which mm. I'm pretty sure is confirmed that the entire time... He's talking to her when he's like, ah, oh, the kid, so and so. Correct.
0: That was my take on it too. Yeah. 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 There's even a point where like, well, like the end times come. So might as well share some stories with each other. That's why we're doing it.
3: The final mission, he makes mention that the kid is past what he can see. Huh. In the downtime, he retells all the stories to Zia about what the kid's been Mm -hmm. through up to that point. So like the entire course of the game is them sitting there waiting for the kid to come back with the last shard.
2: Okay. yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And now you combine that with this aspect that we are. Reliving the same moment over and over again, right? And
3: that
2: yeah, mm. it's even more poignant to the story that they're telling here. I would say,
3: yeah, that seems about right.
1: So we're going to move on to a segment that I like to call Grade Brigade. It's cute because it rhymes. Great Brigade,
0: great fucking name, by the way, and I mean that with full sincerity. Well, thank yeah, you. Thank I you. love it.
1: All we have to do here is give the game a letter grade, and then tell me what kind of person you would recommend the game to.
0: I'll give you 2011, Joe F f on this game recommend to no one it's awful they don't know what they're doing current day joe with (laughs) this podcast episode coming out i give it an a (laughs) yeah oh wow wow. that's a large leap just a whole lot of fun like through and through the narration is fantastic the setting and the artwork is just amazing and mystical and familiar while somehow being completely and utterly original and yeah, yeah honestly I would recommend this to anyone who likes playing roguelikes. Really? Yeah, because it has that kind of roguelike feeling to it. Yeah. But with more of a narrative-driven aspect to it. Interesting.
1: Okay.
3: I like that. I'll follow him up because I'm going to piggyback on that answer a bit. I do think that it is tremendously important to point out that Bastion really is the less hardcore version of Hades. They do feel like they're on the same spectrum, but separated. The fact that roguelike fits so well in Hades, I would give the game an A because I think for the time it came out, what it was shooting for and it being the first game of a two-person startup studio, it was seven people big, their development studio, when the game launched, it accomplished and did great things. It was not a AAA game with a AAA budget, so I don't expect it to be Hades, but the fact that it even invites comparison and you kind of see between them speaks volumes to how worthwhile bashing can be. I would recommend the game to anybody who's played Hades and enjoyed it, but thought that maybe the game would be better if it were a bit easier or a little bit more slower paced. And like Joe said, perfectly more narrative driven. You have dark chocolate and milk chocolate. And the fact that one's a roguelike and one's an action thing, like it's so weird that it comes so close to being a roguelike without being a roguelike. And it's also probably important to point out 2011 was kind of right before roguelites just exploded and just came out of every indie developer it's interesting from that perspective i'd also recommend it to anybody who wants to learn the history of games and where the genres and how they evolved and how studios came up because playing the game and then learning about how it was made is this really important snapshot of the 2011 2009 to 2011 early push for indie games being made and microsoft being a huge part of that with their xbox live arcade and their summary games like really helping to promote that fertile soil so that's my answer i really fucking enjoyed it personally in addition to that i think it's a critical achievement
2: oh that was a great brigade thank you (laughs) It was. You brigaded
1: the shit out of that grade.
2: I would say I might give this kind of slightly, I'm going to kind of take a point from Joe, I'm going to give it kind of two separate grades. If I played this back when it was made, I probably would have given it an A, I would imagine. Yeah. Especially when, if given the knowledge that this was made by essentially a two-person team, with the amount of polish that was involved in it, I would have rated it very highly. Now, given how Hades has been brought up multiple times throughout this podcast it's hard for me to justify that high of a grade but that's also just because there's the comparison yeah comparison and it's mm. just like it's not quite fair because this is a game that has come out years after they had built their pedigree and built their knowledge and built their prestige as developers take this second grade with a grain of salt just because it's being unfairly comparison but i would say i'd put it more like a b minus or a B. I mean it's
3: still a damn good grade that's a well-argued point
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to be compared with something like Hades, which is just essentially a lot of the things that Bastion did right, just slightly better. Yeah. Given that, I would say what I would recommend this game to is probably people, I don't want to demean it with this remark, but it's almost like your first action RPG. It felt Mm -hmm. very much like a really, really great PlayStation 1 game. I know that's kind of weird, but it felt like just an incredibly polished, well done and well thought out very old game
3: there's some great PlayStation 1 games here yeah. exactly. I was just yeah mm.
2: And I would say it's kind of like baby's first action RPG is how I would kind of describe it. You have that. If you're into progressive systems that are found in RPGs, you'll probably like this. If you, like Joe said, there's kind of a little bit of a roguelike appeal there as well. People that are into action RPGs, people that might be drawn to roguelites, but don't necessarily like the competitive grinding of it and want sustenance when it comes to story and progression. I would say that's what this game is good for.
1: Awesome. A good grade and a good explanation. It makes a lot of sense. What's funny about so far this show is most of the grades have been just like top notch for almost all the episodes, A's, B's, etc. I'd give this either B plus, A minus. The only thing that I really dock off of it is I do think that it feels a little bit more clunky than more modern games. But I think that this game looks beautiful enough and is good enough to be compared to modern games. So things like lacking. Being able to set your own controls. You really should be able to on any system. Be able to set those controls. You shouldn't have to alter the entire functionality of what your buttons do on the switch to change that it feels a little bit weird that it teaches you how to use your left stick which slows you down to aim yourself when the right stick doesn't do that at all there are a couple misses there you do far too often think that you're not going to roll off the edge and then you roll off the edge (laughs) it gives you a jump to jump over gaps on the like last. the literal last stage great
3: point yeah i'm happy you brought that up
2: that is a really good point yeah
1: which could have been done way earlier and been incorporated into the game for some extra
2: upgrades and whatever
3: even worse on your new game plus you don't get the jump you don't get to keep it which is the <sighs> weirdest thing
2: i totally thought that was gonna be a thing because
3: you get it again on the last level yeah exactly yeah weird
1: with all that said i cannot get over how beautiful and colorful the map is how the kid looks a little weird and kind of misshapen and pudgy and silly but like he's very charming (laughs) the narration obviously is amazing the soundtrack every time a different song comes on you're like oh fuck yeah it's trying to get me in the mood and it's working with all that said b plus a minus i think that i would recommend this game to I love Baby's first action RPG. I think it does a great job of introducing you to combat and, you know, introducing you to a dodge mechanic in a game while you have to aim and shoot is really great. I do think that this, along with a couple other games that have been done on this show, are really good for people who are trying to first get into new video games. And you can just see how far Hades has come with Bastion. But what's insane to me is on the opposite side of the spectrum, you can see how incredibly talented they all were when they first started. Right? Absolutely. This can be judged as a modern game. This could come out today. And while it may not get the traction that Hades got, it would still be a game that people bought and shared with their friends because it tells a great story still
2: consider uh, indie darling essentially right oh exactly. yeah exactly
1: it's a classic absolutely i mean i can't wait to go play transistor and pyre just because same here i got to go play bastion that's gonna wrap it up thank you guys so much for spending all this time dissecting doing this supposed quick summary for a short game this is gonna end up being a
2: longer episode
3: Thank you for having me, though. This has been phenomenal. I had a great time.
2: This has been super fun. I had way more fun than I expected to have, Trevor. Yeah.
1: Honestly, it's been amazing. So now would be a great time for you guys to plug yourselves. What are you doing? Where can people find you and all that? I don't
2: got any real plugs. I'm not <laughs> present on social media or internet outlets in that sense.
0: Okay, no problem.
2: So I'm just Kyle and I'm here for the fun perfect
0: yeah campy here if you liked any of the dumb shit that i said that might have made you laugh during this program you should go check out the other podcast that i am a host of it's called the defiant robot records podcast and we interview bands and artists and all things of the like and give them a platform basically we just want to make the music industry a better place to create and consume content and give artists a platform for them to share their art with you on so go check it out. We've got some good bands. We got some good games and some dumb banter between some people who think they know what they're doing. And yeah, that's it. Also, we'll be having a D&D campaign drop soon. So keep an ear out for updates on that. Awesome.
2: That's cool. What kind of music do you guys typically discuss in your podcast?
0: Everything and anything, man. It's been a lot of punk music. Oh, dude, I'm into that just because there's a huge saturation of punk music in San Diego. And right now it is just San Diego music, but we are open to having anything. We're trying to get some Australian bands on. Oh, cool. that's awesome. We're just trying to figure out the time difference and everything there.
2: I'm super into that. I want to listen to your punk rock podcast. That sounds awesome.
1: I've heard some of the podcasts and it rules.
2: I don't know if you knew, but I was at three punk band back in the day. Oh
0: hell yeah. Then you will enjoy hey. it, dude. But yeah. We've got those. We have had like uh, some electronic bands on. We've had some like psychedelic rock and shit like that it's all over the place if there's a genre of music you like you can probably find an episode on defiant robot records cool fantastic tilly what about you
3: all right and i'm the last guy my name's tilly and i'm the editor of this <laughs> podcast and i'm also a amateur content creator on the youtubes you can find me by googling a bomb in a bull productions i have a couple of rocket league videos on there some phasmophobia content looking to expand it in the future little bare bones right now but if you for some reason decided you needed more of this you can find it there
1: for some reason how dare you this is a beautiful podcast (laughs) beautiful people (laughs) and amazing editing have a good time everyone goodbye bye Bye. god bless troops This has been Quick Summaries for Short Games. I'm Trevor Robertson with guests Joseph Campillo, Scott Tilley, and Kyle. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at QSSGames and Instagram at short games, where you can recommend games and see the sweet picks Jorane puts together for episodes. Editing done by Abominable Productions. Podcast art by Jorane. Music provided by Defiant Robot Records. Spoiler warning voiced by Dylan Hanks. If you liked the episode, leaving a review for us on Apple is one of the best ways to get us noticed by the algorithm. Next week's game is Sayonara Wild Hearts.
3: Joe, you're you're like uh, the soulmate that I I've only known by listening to a podcast, hoping one day I might cross paths with you. Well, here we are, <laughs> here we are. Yo, man, romantic comedy in the making to right the
0: now. Moon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> falling in love with the man whose voice you've only heard through editing their podcast is some <laughs> peak 2020s ass shit yeah it'll
3: be a lovely story for our grandchildren and their podcast oh my Ooh,
0: i like where this is going you know what consider me sold for at least three dates okay yeah well what were we back to the podcast about video games